Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Please, in Luke's Gospel and chapter 18, and again, it's uh, lovely to be back with you. Really appreciate being asked, and we do trust tonight that we will know the Lord's blessing with us, and that. Uh, if you're not saved, it'll be a wonderful night for you if you were to start for heaven this evening. Now, we're going to read in Luke's Gospel in chapter 18, and a few verses in this chapter, and we'll read from verse 10, please. Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and verse 10. It says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And down there to verse 18, please. It says, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall it be for them that have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, then, if you would turn, please, to uh, chapter 23, please, for a couple of verses. Chapter 23 of Luke. And a very familiar uh, portion of Scripture, chapter 23 and, uh, thir- 23 and verse 39. It says... And one of the malefactors which were, which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And we know the Lord will 
indeed bless his word. Now, I just was simply thinking of the meeting in the terms of these different men that we have read about this evening. And you know, if one thing the last few months has taught me, I've been looking a bit, I get my wife to put me onto the computer sometimes, and I would look sometimes at different people from different parts of the world as they speak and as they would deliver messages from the gospel. And one thing I've come to the conclusion of that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion out in the world today uh, as concerning the Bible, as concerning the gospel, and concerning the way of God's salvation. And there is a lot of confusion. And here in, in this passages that we have read this evening, we can see some uh, confusion that we've been th read about. You know, times change and everything changes, but God's way of salvation never changes. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Doesn't matter what conditions on earth is, how earth changes and how our life all changes. Those things may alter, but they don't alter God's plan and God's way of salvation. Salvation is still uh, by grace through faith, and salvation is still offered to the whosoever will. You see, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be, to be living in the day of grace, in a day when people can still come to know their sin forgiven, and when they can still come to, in a personal, real, living, personal way, to know the Lord as their Savior. You see, there's a lot of religion, and there's a lot of talk, and there's a lot of noise, and a lot of things, but when it all boils down to it, you see, what it really is, it's a personal, it's a personal connection, and a link between you and God. And it comes down to a simple, could I say sincere, but simple act of genuine faith in the work that the Lord has completed for us at the cross at Calvary. And we live in a world today where there is people like what we have read about here tonight. We read about two men that went up into the temple to temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a publican. And we can see their response as both of them went into the temple. And it says here, and one, and one went into the temple, I tell you that uh, they went into the temple and, he, and one stood and he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Now there we can see, uh, first and foremost, we see the very heart of this man. Here was a man, and whenever we read through the Bibles, uh, through our Bible, it's, it's very interesting how many times we see people in the temple, and people in the synagogue, and people in different places where they were met together uh, to worship, and they are totally out of sync and totally out of touch with God. And in fact, many of them never knew God. 
And we, whenever we read about the Lord going into the temple and into the places to speak, we, we see scribes and Pharisees. We see men there who, who were sitting with, with angry spirits, men with, with jealous, wicked hearts. And here we see a man, and right away it exposes him for the fake that what he is. It says he stood and he prayed thus with himself. And let me tell you, his prayer was not only by himself, it was about himself. And he says, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And right away we see the heart of this man. Here he was, and he was filled with pride. Filled with pride. What an age we live in today, when pride has come in amongst God's people. We read there tonight that he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I, and I said from the day I was saved, and I say it still, God's way up is down. And if a man wants, or a woman, or a boy or a girl, wants to get to know God better, the only way is not to push yourself forward, but to get down before God. God's way up is down. And here's a man, and he comes in, and he stands, and he starts to boast. And he starts to blow. And he starts to tell God how good he is, and how great he is, and what he does, and what he gives. And you know, God knows all right what we are. God knows all right what we do. And God knows only too well what we give. And he says, I fast Twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He says I am not as other men are. And he pointed and he says. And I'm not as this publican. You know. Isn't it wonderful. How we can see the faults in others. Whenever I was saved at the start. I went to the Baptist church in Lurgan. I can remember the pastor who was there. Was uh, Mr. Alec Judd. And he used to say. And it was very, very true. He used to say, you know, the sin that troubles us most is the sin that we can see the, the easiest in others. Because we know what we're looking for. And it's very true. He says whenever we can see sin blatant, he says the majority of times it's that very sin that's given us the trouble. And as we sit or stand here tonight before God, we have got to realize there's no hiding place. God knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows everything about us. And this man came into the temple and he stood by himself and he prayed. And he says, I thank, that, thank thee that I am not as other men are. I'm not even as this publican here. My, he was on a platform. He was on a, a plane all of his own. He, as far as he was concerned, he had arrived. As far as he was concerned, he had made it. He had made the standard that, that he thinks that God had set. And he, he starts to blow. And you know the Bible tells us, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And tonight, those of us who are in this hall, who, who have started on our way to heaven, we have known a point in our lives when we were emptied of pride. 
when there wasn't a grain of pride in us and shouldn't be still in us. And we were completely empty and, and all we could see was the blackness of our sin. And all we could see was the vileness of our character and the sinfulness of our nature. And we certainly had nothing to blow about and we had nothing to, to tell God how good we were. You see, dear friend, salvation, the Bible says, and the Lord says, he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, sometimes we see those lovely wee texts nailed on trees and lampposts around the country, and there's one just coming down to a wee bridge near us, and every time I come down, I read it and it says, Christ died for the ungodly. And you know, that's a wonderful verse of Scripture. Because every time I read it, I can know for assurance that Christ died for me. An ungodly, unworthy, hell-deserving sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. And you see, dear friend, this man, he stood, he stands and he boasts and he says, I fast, he says, twice in a week. I fast twice in a week. How many people are still depending on putting themselves through hardships? How many people this man could say, he says, I give a tenth of all that I possess. How many people can still say, you know, I'm doing, I'm giving, I'm praying, I'm working, I'm doing the best I can. And all the time, dear friend, God's blessed Son has done all that was necessary for you and me to have our sin forgiven and to know what it is to have the absolute assurance of heaven as our home. The hymn writer says it, I love it, he says, Why was he there as the bearer of sin if on Jesus my guilt was not laid? And why from his side flowed the sin-cleansing tide if his dying, my debt has not paid. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. Dear friend, everything that man needs tonight for heaven is found in the person of God's eternal Son. And it's, it's not by works. And it's not by our own righteousness. And I'm sure you know my favorite verse in the Bible. I tell it every time. Romans 3, 26. To declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That a poor guilty sinner can come into the presence of God and acknowledge that God is just by, for what he done in punishing our sin in his son at the cross. And he is the justifier of us that believe. And it's wonderful, dear friend, we have nothing to give. We have, we have nothing to pay. We have nothing to say even. The moment we sincerely accept God's son as our saviour, we're saved by as much as grace. Didn't that lovely hymn that we sing, Nothing in my hand I bring. My, this man, he couldn't sing it at all. 
He had, he had brought everything. But the hymn writer said, Nothing in my hand I bring, Simply to thy cross I cling, Foul I to the fountain fly, Washed me Saviour ere I die. Yes, the world may change, Time may change, Circumstances may change, But by grace ye are saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works, Lest any man should boast. Then you see the other man, and he stands a Pharisee, and he stands by himself afar off, and he couldn't even bring himself to lift his eyes to heaven. You see, here was a man that really felt what he was. He, he felt every inch of his depravity. He felt every ounce of, of a sinful nature pressing in upon him. He felt his unworthiness to enter into, the, enter into the temple. He felt his unworthiness to lift his eyes and, and his word to look up into heaven to God. He stands with his head bowed and he smote upon his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, dear friend, that's the kind of language that God hears. God doesn't want our boasting. He doesn't want our blowing. He doesn't want our giving. It's us he wants. He wants us, dear friend. And, uh, and this man, he, he, he couldn't even lift his eyes and he, he stood with his head bowed, smiting on his breath. And he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Isn't it wonderful what it says? He says that, this man went down to his house feeling happy. No. This man went down to his house with a big head. No. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. He, here was a man that was honest before God. You know, we're living in an awful time of lies and deception. And we don't know, there's so many reports, and we don't know who to believe. And even when the leaders of our country comes on to the television, we hardly know whether we can take their word for granted or not. But dear friend, when God says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, the moment he believes on the Son, he is everlasting life. There's no deception in the word of God. There's no tricks in the Son of God. There's salvation in him. And this man stood and he said and he spoke and he says, God be merciful to me a sinner. I wonder, dear friend, is there one in the meeting tonight? And you like this, dear man? Well, I would say this man... Whatever his problem was, he felt a great deal of shame. He felt ashamed. You know, that's what sin does to us. It makes us ashamed. And when we know, when we can hide it from others, well, we can hide our shame. But when we know that God sees us, there's no hiding it. We have to confess it and get rid of it. And this man... It says, he stood and he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And you see, 
It says he went down to his house justified. Wouldn't it be a tremendous evening for you, dear friend, if tonight you were sincere about your soul? Remember, this whole thing that has taken place over this last month or so has been a real reminder that what's about to come. Only this is just a ripple in the ocean compared to the tidal wave of judgment and mayhem that will hit this earth when the Lord returns. Dear friend, the Bible clearly tells us that behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now would be the time to take the true stand that this dear man took. This dear man took. And be honest with God and confess your sin. And place your simple, sincere faith in God's Son as your Savior. Then you see, whenever we come on down the chapter, a few verses, we read, we, we read about another young man. And here, here was another young man, and we can say about him, we, we, well, he was rich. Not only was he rich, dear friend, he was reverent. He was reverent. He was respectful. He came running to the Savior, a man in a hurry. And he came, and if you'd have seen him coming to the Lord, well, you'd have thought he was the, the perfect candidate for salvation. You would have thought, here's a man, and there's no doubt about it, he's an absolute earnest. He had a desire, but it wasn't an earnest desire. Because when he comes running and he comes reverently to the Savior and he falls down before him and he says, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Again, the Lord just exposes his heart to him. And the Lord says, well, he told him, he says, uh, you know the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness. And the young man stood up. We read in another portion of scripture. He says, all these have I kept from my youth up. There's no doubt about it. Here was a clean, living, honest, reverent young man. Here was a man, and I can tell you, you could trust him. You could trust him with your money. You could trust him in his business. Here was a man, and you would say he was the perfect. He, 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 you could say he, he had it to look at him. And yet the Lord, just with a simple sentence, he revealed his heart. And he says, go sell all that you have and come and follow me. And it says he turned and he went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. You see, in a way he was very much like the other man, only he wasn't as arrogant and he, he wasn't as boastful and he didn't come telling the Lord uh, what he had. He come, you would have thought, earnestly seeking. And, he, and when the Lord says, go sell all that I have and come and follow me, he turned and he went away sorrowful for he was very rich. You know what it was with this young man? It was the love of other things. We read about it in the Gospels about the sower going out to sow. And the love of other things, riches and the love of other things, it swamps the seed that was sown. You know, I wouldn't think there's anyone in the hall here tonight and they were like the Pharisee. 
I wouldn't think there's anybody so arrogant or so ignorant in spiritual terms as to stand and tell God how good and how great they are and, and, and everything about them and all that they do and give. But it's, it's possible that there's maybe someone in the hall and they're maybe just like this young man. And the outward appearance is perfect. The life you couldn't point a finger at. Trustworthy, reverent, respectful in every way. And the Lord says to him, he says, Yet lackest thou one thing. Isn't that wonderful? One thing was standing between him and God. One thing. You know, there, there are many things that, come, that can come between a man and God. And even in the Christian life sometimes, well, we maybe get taken up with something and it can affect us, even in our time of devotion. And when we get down to pray, it's on our mind. And when we go to read, it's on our mind. And when we go to bed, it's on our mind. You know, it's just a sign, dear friend, that things aren't what they should be. And God said to this young, the Lord said to this young man, he said, yet one thing thou lackest. One thing. I wonder tonight, if, if we really just sat for a minute and we acknowledged, we, if we are not saved, if we acknowledged it, and we could say and we ask ourselves a question, what is it? That stands between me and the Lord. What is it that's keeping me away? Is it a relationship? Is it some kind of a habit? Is it some kind of thing connected to the world? What is it that stands between me and God? You know... Before I got saved, I couldn't say there was one thing. There was a million things stood between me and God. And I, I could say with a hymn writer, I was as vile as a sinner could be. And I wondered if Christ the Redeemer could save a poor sinner like me. And the, I listened. And though was a Savior that was speaking so kindly to me, saying, Christ the Redeemer hath power to save poor sinner like you. You know, dear friend, tonight it would be a wonderful night if you decided that whatever it is that stands between you and your eternal salvation, that if you were to forsake it and you were to turn to the Savior. Two men we have looked at. Three men we have looked at. One was a boastful man. The other was a humble, honest man. This was a reverent young man in, in his approach to the Savior. I would say his name was good. No matter who you asked him, I would say the people had a good word of this man. Nothing you could say about him. His character and, and his name was good in the, in the community. And then when we come to the next man that we read about in Luke chapter 3, well, we couldn't really say anything good about him. He was a thief. He was a repeated offender. He, he was a nuisance and a scourge in society. 
And Roman law had run out of patience with him. And it had given him his last chance. And he finds himself nailed to a cross for the punishment of his transgressions. And just as it so happened, he found himself beside the Savior. Isn't that wonderful? That a man could live a life so wicked and yet be so blessed in his last few hours to hear the voice of the Savior. That a man could be so blessed to spend his last living hours on earth within range, the voice, the range of the Savior's voice. And there he hangs on a cross. And there his past comes before him. And his companion, he, he reviles the Savior. And this man, stricken in his conscience, he says, Lord, remember me. You see, he had nothing to boast in. He had nothing to be proud about. Here's a man, and he was exposed to society for all that he was. He was opened up, as it were, and the people could look up at him, and they could see his crimes nailed above him on the cross. They could see the list of them a mile long. And here was a man, and he had nothing to boast in. He had nothing, dear friend, for his life to show. And he was about to slip into the great eternity. And he had the wonderful privilege of hearing the voice of the Saviour. And I tell you what else he had. He had a wonderful privilege of hearing the voice of the mockers that stood around the cross. Because as they mocked and as they spoke in mockery, they never spoke truer words. Neither were truer words ever spoke on this earth. And they looked up to the cross and they said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. It was very true. He had saved countless multitudes in his journey through this life. And himself he could not save. Why could he not save himself? Because he was there to save you and me. The hymn writer said, All my sin was laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. And God who knew them laid them on him. Unbelieving, I go free. You see, dear friend, what happened at Calvary, we just cannot put it into words. How the Father in heaven could take the sin of the world and bring them and place them on a son, and a son could be forsaken, and he could hang there at the dark hours of Calvary, and he could cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken, dear friend. Because he was bearing our sin. He was forsaken, dear friend, that you and I might not be forsaken in eternity. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Wounded for me, yes, wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me. Gone my transgressions, and now I am free, all because Jesus was 
wounded for me. I wonder, dear friend, tonight, could you be as honest? Could you be as sincere as this dear thief was? Yes, he had nothing to boast about. He had nothing to give. But he knew he was facing a Christless eternity, a lost eternity. And as he listened to the voice of compassion and the words of grace, this that the Saviour spoke beside him, he mustered up the courage. Probably his last chance, his very last chance, and he mustered up the courage. And he would have wondered to himself, what, what would he want anything to do with me for? I've wasted everything. I've broken everything I've ever been given. What would he want me for? And dear soul, as he mustered up the courage and he turned his head and he said, Lord, when thou comest in thy kingdom, Lord, remember me. And he might have wondered, will I get a response? Would he even acknowledge me? Would he recognize me? Will he take me under his notice? What did the Lord say to him? He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Just as suddenly as that, the man was saved by grace. You know, dear friend, the Bible clearly tells us, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I wonder this evening, I wonder, dear friend, is there someone in the meeting tonight? And you could maybe see yourself in some of these characters that we have spoken on tonight. But look, I wonder, can you see the Saviour? I wonder, can you ask yourself the question, why is he there? Why is he there? He's there for you. And you ask yourself the question, do you think he would take anything to do with me? I tell you, dear friend, I, I know nobody's passed in this hall tonight, and nobody knows mine, but I tell you one thing, I'm confident, sure, that if we knew each other intimately, on our thoughts individually, and we knew it all, we would have no trouble social distancing. But because we'd been wanting as far away from one another as we could get. Not the Saviour. He says, come all to me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden. Laden with what? Laden with guilt and laden with sin and laden with a conscience. Dear friend, he says, if you'll only come to me. He says, I will give you rest. I wonder tonight, could you throw all your pretending, all your excuses, all everything, whatever it may be, even that one thing that stands between you and God. I wonder, could you cast it aside tonight and say, I'm coming to thee, Lord Jesus. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me Saviour ere I die. What a wonderful Saviour. What a wonderful work of redemption there was made at the cross. What a perfect price was paid. What a perfect salvation has been purchased. 
and it's yours tonight. It's yours. It's within your reach. If you will accept what the Lord has done at the cross, the simplicity of it is this. What the Lord has done at the cross is sufficient for you, sufficient for me, sufficient for us all. And the vilest offender who truly believes that very moment a pardon receives. I hope and trust, dear friend, that you will be sincere and honest with God tonight. I can fool you. I can fool you. You could fool me, no trouble. But none of us can fool God. None of us can fool God. And I'm glad that whenever... I, I, I love the words of that hymn. The hymn writer said, And when I reach those pearly gates, I'll put in this plea, Admit a gracious sinner, For Jesus died for me. No. Admit a ransomed sinner. Admit a ransomed sinner, For Jesus died for me. I hope you can be as honest as that tonight, And rest where the rest of us is rested and trusting simple faith in the Son of God. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we just bow again. We thank thee for the reverent attention tonight, but thank thee for thy kindness and goodness to us and preserving us and spurring us, Father, in these very uncertain days. How we thank thee, our God, that we have been spurred again to experience the wonder of God in, in, in creation, another spring and summer. And how we thank thee, our Father, we have been spurred again to remember the Lord this morning and be spurred again to share the message of the gospel. Father, would it please thee tonight that thy hand would be open and that souls would come believing tonight Repent, believe, be born again, and put our trust in thy Son. We thank thee for all that has come, young and old. We pray thy blessing upon us, that thou would take us to our homes in safety. Remember those that mourn tonight, those that have suffered terrible loss, those that are not well in hospital, those that need thy touch. Father, we need thee every hour. Thou know our needs. Remember us in thy grace. And we pray that thou would bless thy word. To the glory of thy precious name. Amen.